There was no point going to bed, thought Vimes later that evening, and so he kissed his wife goodnight and went to the snooker room where Willikins was idly practising one of the more socially acceptable skills he had learned during a misspent youth. The man straightened up when Vimes walked in and said, "'Good evening, Commander. Would you like a sustaining drink to be going on with?' Vimes also indulged in a rare cigar, because, well, what good is a snooker room with that smoke twisting among the lights and turning the air a desolate blue, the colour of dead hopes and lost chances?' Willikins, who knew the protocol, waited until Vimes had made his shot before coughing gently. "'Oh, well done, sir, and I understand her ladyship is somewhat vexed about the goblin situation, sir. I believe this to be the case, sir, because I met her in the corridor earlier, and she used language I haven't heard on the lips of a woman since my old mother passed away, gods bless her soul, if they can find it. But well done again, sir.' Vimes laid his cue aside. "'I want to get them all, Willikins.' It's no good slamming up some local thug. Yes, indeed, Commander. It's all about potting the black. Vimes looked up from his fiery drink. I can see you must have played a lot in your time, Willikins. Did you ever see Pelvic Williams? Very religious man in his way. Lived somewhere in Hen and Chicken's court with his sister. Played like I've never seen anyone else play before or since. I swear he could make a ball jump the table, roll along the edge, and drop back onto the cloth just where he wanted it, to drop neatly into the pocket. Vimes gave a grunt of satisfaction and went on. Of course, everyone used to say that was cheating, but he used to stand there as meek as milk, just repeating, the ball dropped. Tell you the truth, the reason he never got beaten up was that it was an education watching the man. He once sank a ball by bouncing it off the lamp and a pint mug. But, like he said, the ball dropped. Vimes relaxed and said, The trouble is, of course, that in real life rules are more stringent. "'Yes, indeed, Commander,' said Willikins. "'Where I used to play, the only rule was that after you'd hit your opponent over the head with your cue, you had to be able to run very fast. I understand from her ladyship that you might be requiring my assistance tonight?' "'Yes, please. We're going to the village of Hangnails. It's about twenty miles upriver.' Willikins nodded. "'Yes, indeed, sir. Once the seat of the Hangnail family, and most notably of Lord Justice Hangnail,' who famously declared that he never took account of any plea of not guilty on the basis that criminals always lie, and was, by happy chance, the worshipful master of the benevolent company of rope-makers and braiders. With any luck, we'll not see his like again. Excellent, Willikins, and we'll stop en route to pick up our keen young local constable, who'll see fair play. I intend to make sure of that. Glad to hear it, sir, said Willikins, but bear this in mind— what does it matter once the ball has dropped? It was Mrs. Upshot who opened the cottage door, gave a little scream, slammed the door, opened the door to apologise for slamming the door, and then shut the door carefully, leaving Vimes on the doorstep. Thirty seconds later, Feeney opened the door, with his nightshirt half tucked into his trousers. "'Commander Vimes, is something wrong?' he said, trying valiantly to tuck all the nightshirt inside. Vimes rubbed his hands together briskly. Yes, Chief Constable Upshot, almost everything is, but there is one part that can be made right with your help. Regarding the murder of the Goblin Girl, I have sufficient information to warrant apprehending two men for questioning. This is your manner, so professionally speaking, I think it's only right and proper that you assist me with the arrests. Vimes took a step into the room, so that the face of Willikins was visible, and went on, And I think you know Willikins, my manservant, who has volunteered to drive my coach, and of course provide me with a clean white shirt should I need it. Yeah, growled Willikins, turning to wink at Vimes. 
Chief Constable Upshot, I'd be obliged if you would arm yourself with whatever you think you might need, and, since you don't have a pair of handcuffs worth a damn, oh, I'm so sorry, then at least you can source some rope. The face of Feeney Upshot was a whole palette of conflicting emotions. I'll be working with the famous Commander Vimes. Hooray! But this is big and serious, oh dear. But it'll be like being a real policeman. Hooray! But there's already a hot water bottle in my bed. Oh dear! On the other hand, if it all goes wrong, well, after all, the Duke of Ankh owns most of this place, so he'll have to take most of the blame. Hooray! And maybe if I distinguish myself, I can get a job in the city, so that my mum can live in a place where you don't lie awake at night listening to the mice fighting the cockroaches. Hooray! Regrettably, Constable Upshot was overly hopeful. In Ankh-Morpork, the mice and the cockroaches had decided to forget their differences and gang up on the humans. It was a treat for Vimes to watch the lad's face in the candlelight, especially as Feeney moved his lips as he thought. And so he said, I'm sure, Chief Constable Upshot, that assistance in this matter will be very helpful to your future career. This last comment caused Mrs. Upshot, peering over her son's shoulder, to flush with pride and say, Hark at his grace, Feeney, you could make something of yourself, just like I'm always telling you. No arguing now, off you go, my lad. This motherly advice was punctuated by Mrs. Upshot bobbing up and down so fast that she could have been harnessed to a sewing machine. Thank goodness for old mums, Vimes thought, as Feeney eventually got into the coach with a flask of hot tea, a spare pair of clean drawers, and half an apple pie. As the wheels started to turn, and after Feeney had finished waving to his old mum out of the window, Vimes, balancing carefully against the rocking, lit the little spirit lamp that was all the coach had for illumination. He fell back into his seat again and said, I'd be grateful, lad, if you would take some time to write down in your notebook everything I've said to you since I arrived this evening. It might be of assistance to both of us. Feeney practically saluted, and Vimes continued, When we saw the dead goblin girl the other day, Mr. Feeney, did you make a note of that in your notebook? Yes, sir, Feeney nearly saluted again. My granddad told me always to write everything down in my notebook. They bounced in their seats as the coach hit a stone, and Vimes said quietly, Did he ever tell you to accidentally sometimes turn over two pages at once, so that you had the occasional blank page? Oh, no, sir, should I? The seat bounced them up and down again as Vimes said, Strictly speaking, lad, the answer is no, especially if you never work with me. Now, please write it all down, just as I asked. And, since I'm not as young as you, I'm going to try and get some rest. Yes, sir. I understand that, sir. Just one thing, sir. Mr. Stoner, the clerk to the magistrates, came to see me this afternoon and had a chat and said not to bother about the goblin girl because goblins are officially vermin. He was very kind and brought some brandy for my old mum, and he said that you were a fine gentleman but tended to get a bee in your bonnet, sir, what with being upper class and out of touch, sir. Sir? Sir? Have you gone to sleep, sir? Vimes turned his head and in honeyed tones said, Did you make a note of that in your notebook, lad? Oh, yes, sir. And you still got in this coach with me? Why did you do that, Mr. Feeney? Stones rattled behind them, and it seemed some time before Feeney Upshot had assembled his thoughts to his satisfaction. He said, Well, Commander Vimes, I thought, well, that Mr. Stoner, he's a knob, more or less, and so is Commander Vimes, only he's a duke, and he's therefore a very big knob, and if you're going to get caught between knobs, maybe you'd better pick the biggest one to be on the side of. He heard Vimes grunt and continued, and then, sir, I thought, well, I was up there, I saw that poor creature and what had been done to her, and I remembered that Stoner had tried to make a fool out of me by making me arrest your good self, sir, and I thought about the goblins, and I thought, well, they're mucky and smelly, and the old goblin was crying, 
and animals don't cry, and goblins, well, they make stuff, beautiful stuff, and as for pinching our pig's will and being generally mucky, we surely ain't short of humans round here who are pretty big in that respect. I could tell you some stories, and so I thought some more, and I thought, well, that Mr. Stoner, I thought he must have got it wrong. There was a rumbling as the coach went over a bridge, and then the sound of wheels on packed flints was back. Feeney said anxiously, Is that all right, sir? He waited nervously, and then the voice of Vimes, and this time sounding rather far away, said, Do you know what that little speech you made was called, Mr. Feeney? Don't know, sir. It's just what I think. It was called Redemption, Mr. Feeney. Hold on to it. Vimes woke from a doze in which he had dreamed about young Sam playing a harp, and by the time he had understood that this was a dream, the noise of the coach wheels had changed as they slowed down and stopped. Willikins slid open the small slot that allowed discourse between passenger and coachman, and said quietly, "'Rise and shine, sir. We're about a quarter of a mile from Hangnails, population thirty-seven and still stupid. And you can smell turkey from here, and wish you bloody well couldn't, excuse my clatchian. I surmised that it might be a good idea to walk quietly the rest of the way, sir.' Vimes got down from the coach and stamped the cramp out of his limbs. The air stank with the curiously invasive smell of birds. Not even goblins persecuted the sinuses one half so badly. But this was a tiny distraction compared with the thrill. Yes, the thrill. How long was it since he had led a dawn raid? Far too long, that's how long. And now captains and senior sergeants got the job while he stayed in the office, being the Ankh-Morpork's in the watch. Well, not today. Whispering as they walked through the knee-high mist, he said, you, Chief Constable Upshot, you will hammer in the front door when I give you the signal, and I will be stationed outside the back door in case the gentleman does a runner, OK? They were nearing the property now, yes. They would just need the two of them. The farmhouse looked barely big enough to have two doors, let alone three. What shall I say, Commander? hissed Feeney. Oh, blimey, you're the bloody son and grandson of coppers, my lad. What the hell do you think you should shout? Let me give you a clue. It does not include the word please. I'll give you a whistle when I'm in position. Got it? Good. They walked with care across the stinking yard, and Vimes took up station around the back, where an interesting thought occurred to him, and he made a mental note. He then leaned against the dirty wall of the house, a little bit away from the back door, took a pinch of snuff to clear the air of turkey, and gave one faint whistle. Open up in the name of the law. You are surrounded. You have one minute to open the door. I mean it. Open the door. This is the police. Leaning cosily against the wall, Vimes grudgingly rated that as pretty good for a beginner, with one point taken off for adding, I mean it. Then, as a man flew out of the back door, he stuck out his boot. Good morning, sir. My name is Commander Vimes. I hope you're in a position to remember yours. In the sheds, the turkeys were going insane, causing a slight rise in the smell. The man struggled to his feet, looking around desperately. Oh, yes, you could run. Yes, you could do that, said Vimes in a conversational tone of voice. But it might be thought by others that this might indicate that you knew you had some reason to run. Now, personally, I would agree that anyone stopped by a copper should run like buggery, innocent or not, on first principles. Besides, we get so fat these days that we need the exercise. But do run if you want to, Mr. Flutter, because I can run too, and very fast. By now, Flutter was smiling the smile of a man who thinks that this copper is not very smart. I bet you don't have a magistrate's warrant, do ya? Well, now, Mr. Flutter, why might you think that, eh? Perhaps you think the magistrates might not issue a warrant to arrest you, yes? By the way, thank you for showing me where the tobacco barrels are stored. Your cooperation will be taken into consideration.
Some days are bad days, like when you stare right down into the mangled corpse of a young woman. Then you get good days when the suspect's darting eyes flashing across the yard show you exactly where the loot is hidden. I shall, of course, mention your cooperation to the authorities and, of course, in the local pub as well. Ah, yes. And now Mr. Flutter was visualising the result of being seen as some kind of grass, so stupidly he went for, I never told you anything about any tobacco, and you know it, copper. At this point, Feeney stepped around the corner with his fearsome club raised and a look of almost comical aggression on his face. You want me to give him the old one too, Commander? Just say the word, Gov. Fimes rolled his eyes in mock despair. No need for that, Feeney, no need for that, just when Mr. Flutter here is so anxious to talk to us, understand? Flutter decided the way forward was an appeal to Feeney. Look, Feeney, you know me. He got that far and no further, because Feeney said, It's Constable Upshot to you, Flutter. My dad had you up before the beaks two dozen times. He used to call you the blue bottle, on account of wherever there was a load of shit going on, he'd find you flapping about in it. And he told me to watch you, which is what I am doing right now, in fact. He glanced at Vimes, who gave him an encouraging nod, and then said, You see my problem, Mr. Flutter? We're not here to talk about contraband tobacco, OK? Now, I never saw myself as a revenuer, not a popular profession. I'm a copper, pure and simple, right? And in my hand I have this man what is only doing a favour to his employer by storing a few barrels of tobacco in his shed. But on the other hand, well, if I found a murderer in the other hand, why, God's bless you, I might totally forget all about the first hand. Don't ask me to draw you a picture, Flutter, because my hands are full. Flutter looked aghast. This is about that goblin, right? Look, it wasn't me. OK, I'm a bit of a naughty boy. I put my hand up to that, but I ain't like him. I'm a scallywag, not a damn murderer. Vimes looked at Feeney. Some people could be said to be as pleased as Punch. Feeney could be said to look as pleased as Punch. Judy, the dog Toby, the crocodile, and above all, the policeman all rolled in together. Vimes raised his eyebrows in new interrogation, and Feeney said, I believe him, Chief. He hasn't got it in him, I swear. The best he could manage would be knocking over an old lady for a purse, and even then she'd probably have to be blind too. There, you see, said Flutter triumphantly. I'm not really a bad person. No, said Vimes. You're a veritable choir boy, Mr. Flutter, I can see that. And I'm rather religious too, and I like chapter and verse. But are you willing to swear that the individual known as Stratford knifed a goblin girl to death on Angman's Hill in the grounds of Ramkin Hall three nights ago? Flutter raised a finger. Can I say that I told him to leave off when he laughed and I didn't know it was a girl neither? I mean, how can you tell? Vimes's face was deadpan. Tell me, Ted, what would you have done if you had known? I'm intrigued. Flutter looked down at his feet. Well, I... Well, well, I mean, not a girl. I mean, well, not a girl. I mean, that's not right. No, I mean... And you can find someone like this dangerous clown in nearly every neighbourhood, Vimes thought. Clearly, chivalry is not dead, Mr. Flutter. OK, Feeney, let's carry on. Mr. Flutter, why were you on Angman's Hill on the aforesaid night? We were just having a walk, said Flutter. Vimes's face was again deadpan, so deadpan as to be mortified. Of course you were, Mr. Flutter. Silly of me to ask the question, really. Constable Upshot, I can see Willikins over there having a smoke. He pushed at the open door and dragged Flutter inside. Does this building have a cellar? Flutter was one step away from a toilet break, but nevertheless, being the kind of fool to dig himself in deeper, managed to sneer, There might be, so what? Mr. Flutter, I have already told you that I am a religious man, and since you would test the patience of a saint, I need to spend a moment in quiet contemplation, understand? 
I'm sure you know that there's always an easy way, and then again, there's always the hard way. Currently, this is the easy way, but the hard way is also quite easy, in a manner of speaking. Before talking to you again, I want to be alone with my thoughts, and it occurs to me, Mr. Flutter, that you might have some thoughts about, as it were, legging it, and so my colleague, Chief Constable Upshot, will guard the door, and I shall send in my Batman, Mr. Willikins, to keep you company.'